you live from the studios of KZSU at Stanford University. This is What Would Your Mother Say? Hi, I'm your host, Susan Morris. Welcome to the show. I'm here in Studio A with the panel, two moms, Mary Morrison and Susan Esterly, and three Stanford students, Laura, Bill, and Randy. We have a great show for you, a look at the cheating gene, a scientific fact, or just an excuse to play around. We'll hear what students on campus think. Then a 60-second story about a dad, the hot seat, and then emails from our listeners. We'll be taking calls during the show, so get out your pen. The number is 650-723-9010. That's 650-723-9010. Later in the show, we'll also be giving away a book to one of our callers. First, a look at kissing. On campus, freshmen are not considered real Stanford men or women unless they've been kissed by a senior under a full moon on the quad. This year's Moonlight Makeout session is coming up Tuesday, October 14th, beginning at 10 p.m. Now, when I was growing up, being kissed, particularly under moonlight, was pretty special, especially if you liked the guy. But it didn't take too long to realize that not everyone is a good kisser. And what a difference it makes. In fact, a recent study shows that a bad kiss can be a deal breaker. So I'm going to ask Laura to describe, have you ever had a noticeably bad kiss from someone? Oh, I I think at one point in time I was at a party and I was a little inebriated and at some point was, you know, making out with this guy and pushed him back and said, you know, you, you don't have to use your tongue the whole time. And that did it. It was, what was he trying to do? It was just, it was be like just a lizard? Too, too forward, too much. Yeah. I, I think that, that it requires, a good kiss requires sensitivity. Well, how can someone be sensitive when they're giving you a kiss, which is just sort of pressing the lips together? I don't know. You respond to the other person's actions. I don't know. I, Bill, you you're, you're, you're shaky. You're, you're, yes, tell me what a good kiss means to you. Well, I totally agree that you have to respond to the person that um, that you're kissing. And, and one thing is, you know, if the person you're, you're kissing is, is re- really into, like, um, using a lot of tongue and stuff like that, maybe you should do that as well. But if not, um, one thing you should not do at all is don't ever not kiss. Don't just stand there like a statue, because I believe that's the worst kiss I've ever had, where you go in for the kiss against the girl, and you feel like you're kissing a stone. Oh, how long did that romance last? Not long. <laughs> <laughs> about as long as the kiss lasted, right? Just about. <laughs> yes. Randy, you've got a story for us? Uh, I think my worst kiss would probably be too much tongue as well. I am not terribly into kissing. Well, I, I have to tell you what the, what the studies show is that men generally prefer or have a greater preference for tongue contact and open mouth kisses. And I thought this was sort of interesting. Male saliva contains measurable amounts of the hormone testosterone. So maybe that's why some guys like to do a lot of French kissing. What do female saliva contain? I don't know. You know, I think some of these results go back to they don't even test test the women. But, but Bill, you're our pre-med, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I just wanted to say something about this. So it, it, you're saying that men like a lot more French kissing. And I think this also goes to the whole um, dynamic of the relationship, where, where women seem to like more of, of the, the mental relationship, whereas men are also more into often physical relationships. So I think that manifests itself in the French kissing. I always like to hear a guy say that. Susan, what are you thinking? Well, One of the moms. <laughs> I feel like statements like that can't possibly really be right because I feel like everybody's different and it doesn't matter so much if you're male or female. So, you know, 
you know, across the board, females prefer and men prefer. I always reject. Um, this is Laura. I just wanted to say that I don't think that, you know, a kiss can be entirely physical. I think there's a lot of relationship that can be there. I, I remember this boyfriend that I had a few years ago. We would kiss each other and we'd step back and it was like, oh my gosh, I can almost feel how much you care about me and when we kiss. That sounds like a great kiss. It was. Yay. Wow. Bill. Also, men aren't always focused on, I'm not trying to speak on behalf of all men here. I, I <laughs> That's say, your role tonight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I don't believe that men are always focused on French kissing, for example, even within one individual. I, th- I think they like to mix it up quite a bit, just like everyone does. Just like like not everything's physical in relationships, as it shouldn't be. And, you know, just as you would need a mix of um, using French kissing, you also need a mix of, like, light pecs and other emotional things. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm having a trip down memory lane here for the kissing issue. And... Uh, I I don't think of kissing as lips on lips, like you said. That's what made me start thinking about it. I mean, you know, kissing you behind the ear or on your elbow. I mean, that that is more um, interesting to me. <laughs> because it's more unexpected? Well, I don't know. You mean someone who comes up behind you and kisses you on, on the, the neck? neck? Yes. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. I can tell by the look on your face. <laughs> Yes, actually, that's very interesting. Well, here, here's a question that I have for you. Is there anything comparable to a wonderful kiss? That's going to take a minute to think about. I mean, holding hands? Yes, Randy. I, I, I always liked a good hug better than a good kiss. Oh. Like it felt closer almost. What defines a good hug, though? Uh, mostly just a tight and long and breathing on each other. <laughs> That sounds good, yeah. I think better than a first kiss, or even, even any kiss in general, is the first time that someone tells you they love you. That really means a lot, and that, that kind of sparks a passion that even the best kiss really can't do. Okay, and what about a good back rub? No, Laura doesn't, doesn't <laughs> count for you. I don't know. I, I, it's not quite the same. And also, like, I'm pretty picky about back massages, so I don't know. So you're, you're not going to do it. Uh, yeah, right. you have to find one. <laughs> okay, now here's, what does a kiss on the forehead or the cheek mean? If some guy were to come up to a gal... He's my cousin or something. (laughs) Yeah, takes the romance right out of it. (laughs) My Uncle Joe, somebody like that. You mean there's never a possibility where someone might be sort of approaching the lips but decides, no, the relationship's not quite ready for that, so I'm going to head for the forehead? I'd go for the cheek in that case. Okay. You Maybe could. in the older movies, but I, I don't really see that as much nowadays. It's you more hand-holding. It. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay. Well, if, if any of listeners out there, give us a call if you have any input. Uh, the number is 650-723-9010. Now, we do have an email here, and it says, yeah, it's from Elisa. If you only kiss but won't go further, are you being a tease? Any response to that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, yeah. I could ask the guys. Uh, you know, I, I don't think so, actually. It, it depends on the relationship, because this is all, all highly, highly, um, like, on the individual relationship. But I don't think so as a general statement, no. no. Definitely not. Does Otherwise, it, you'd always have to go all the way every time you're getting involved with someone. That I mean, you have to start somewhere, right? Well, what does a kiss mean? Isn't it an indication that there are more things to come? Well, I, I think it kind of depends on the type of kiss in some sense. I mean, there's, there's like, you know, meaningful kisses where you're just kind of like enjoying each other. And then there's like the full-on makeout where it does kind of seem like there's a little more expectation there. Yeah, with a full-on makeout, you almost expect it to go further. Yeah, Whereas exactly. If you're just kind of kissing on the lips and it's a little bit played down, you don't have those high expectations. And it's sort of, there's also the, 
good, good night. I don't want to ever see you again. Kiss. <laughs> Do you still give them a kiss though? I mean, well, they go. You know, they kiss you and you sort of dodge to the side. They miss you. So <laughs> you never did that. You never done that. Oh, haven't you ever done it? Oh, it's it's yes. yeah. I've done a few. Of, I usually you know keep my distance in that situation. Where it's like three feet of personal space. I'm like, all right. Wave. I'll see you later. Have you ever been unexpectedly kissed on the lips by someone? It just didn't. It didn't seem appropriate. Like it was your best friend's boyfriend or something, or girlfriend. Nope. No. No one here. Can, well, I yes. Guess, yeah. I had a, a friend of mine's husband grabbed me one time at a party and really kissed me, and uh, it, it was startling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they'd been married about twenty years at the time, and so would we. You know. So. Uh huh. So what did you I, I, think? I thought he was drunk. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was exactly the reason. <laughs> well, listen, one thing that, that I, we hear a lot on this show is that there's no dating at Stanford. But wouldn't this mean that there's no kissing? I think that's an outright lie that there's no dating at Stanford, first of all. You might get that impression when you first come to Stanford as, as a little freshman. And you start going around to all the frat parties and you, you see this whole scene. But there's way more to Stanford outside of the, the whole frat party just um, and the drinking scene. There are lots of little social groups within dorms that get established freshman year and kind of carry out through all the years and evolve into larger groups. And you really get a lot of dating within those groups. And you meet people through so many ways. There is definitely dating at Stanford. Oh, okay. Well, that's encouraging because it's really <laughs> depressing to hear that at your age that you're not dating and meeting lots of people and going out and socializing with them. Yeah, and I definitely say that there's definitely lots of kissing at Stanford. You go it, to, to go to the frat party scene if you, you walk into or see any corner and there's someone who's making out. Well, and even if if, there, if it was true that there was no dating at Stanford, there would still be tons of kissing. I mean, we have a full moon on the quad regarding it last. Exactly, <laughs> my one time per year. <laughs> okay, well we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, I have a lot of hard questions about kissing. When is the right time, and how to read signals, and lots more. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. If you're just tuning in, our panel includes two moms, Susan Esterly and Mary Morrison, and three Stanford students, Bill, Laura, and Randy. All right, I'm going to just throw out a whole bunch of questions to you all. And moms, I want you to step back into the way past and tell me. <laughs> what... making some assumptions, isn't she? <laughs> all right. How many people, <laughs> students, now you can answer this too, moms, if you want. How many people have you kissed, let's say, in the last 12 months? Oh, come on, Laura. <laughs> she's, she's still counting. Give her time. She can't come up many times I can go through my fingers. 20 and no. she can't go, you know. Um, I mean, not a memorable number. <laughs> Is there ever a number that could be too high? What do you all think about that? Could what, for kissing? Yes. No. Okay. Uh-uh. Okay. What do you I think? I agree with that. Mary, would you agree? Well, if I told you I'd kissed 15 men in the last year, you'd be totally surprised, wouldn't you? I mean, I would, well, no, no, but I'm, I'm talking about I'd like, be happy for think you. Think back to, you oh, know, when they're young. Yes. Oh, when you're young. Oh, okay. Early days. The, the question is, though, can can that number ever get too high? And, Mary, you're, Susan, you're saying no. What do you all think? I think it, it could get too high, you know, if it really gets out of control. But, I mean, when I'm talking too high, I'm talking like 100 or so or, or way more. I mean, way out there. And by that point, you're probably dealing with the risk of mono and other things. So let's yeah. not go there. Okay. <laughs> I think that it's it's less of an issue of a number versus like yeah. what the quality of, of what those kind kisses, of kiss? or if like if you're hurting other people because like you made out with this guy and you know he was really into you, but then he sees you making out with some other guy the next day. I mean that's that's we want too many for Would sure. Would that upset a guy yeah. if you were kissing a girl? You know, just having a good kiss with her. 
And you saw her the next day or the next week kissing someone else? Well, it, it depends on what, sta <laughs> what stage uh, you are in your um, in how you look at relationships. Yeah. yeah, like if you have any interest in having pursuing a serious relationship with her, I imagine it would probably hurt a bit. <laughs> but but going back to the issue of if you can can you kiss too much? I think it depends on on what you're looking for in a relationship. If you're, if you're just kind of looking at going out there and having fun for a while, you probably can't kiss too much. But if you really want to get a serious relationship and you're ready for kind of a bigger commitment in your life, then yeah, you might want to might want to try looking for one person that you really like. Okay. Now, is it trashy to kiss someone you met less than an hour before? No. <laughs> no I mean, it depends on the settings. <laughs> no, but you guys not. just finished saying that, you know, you're a tease if you kiss and then don't, you know, promise more. So which is it? <laughs> we obviously promise people things every hour because you meet an hour and it's okay, and then the next well, hour it's somebody else. We, we actually said that, that you're not necessarily a tease if, if you kiss. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so that's my. I maintain that. I think that you can kiss, and it doesn't have to mean. I mean, you'll see. You'll just see. Everything yeah. is always a wait and see. Uh, okay. Now, I want our listeners to join in this conversation. Our number is six five zero seven two three nine zero one zero. We want to hear your stories. Now, I, I have a little problem with this whole conversation. Because it implies that young people can kiss people every hour and just walk around and kiss people. But the, the tone of the room is that if people, older people, are supposed to be a lot more careful, obviously, <laughs> and restrain ourselves from well, such behavior. Well, when we're behavior, talking about you know? multiples and we're married, that kind of, I mean, yeah, that's but I'm a not, I'm an old widow lady. Well, know? then, okay, then you right in there. Every <laughs> hour, Mary, go yeah, for they it. They would be horrified. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I just meet some old guy. There's a lot of guys here for the reunions, right? I just go over to the 50th booth there and... I, I fully like, encourage that's that. What I, if I were widowed or, or unmarried, I would do that. Well, I'd try. Yeah, go, go fishing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now this leads me to signals. How can you tell if the person's ready to be kissed? I have a story to tell you about Paul Newman. He, he was a, being honored at a film festival here many years ago. And I went, my husband, when I came back, I said, did you kiss him? And I said, well, I have to be honest. I might have tried, but the woman in front of me did try, and he didn't look happy. So I decided <laughs> to not try. But, but let's go back to those signals, though. And this is when you're not going around campus looking for guys or old men to kiss. <laughs> but how, what are some signals that you... That that it's going to be all right. Well, first I want to ask, like, how many people actually wait for the right signals? I feel like you know a lot of people don't act. Okay, that is a great point. Um, I, I think a, a main problem among at least me, if not all men, is like when do you actually go for the first kiss? That, that's kind of a big issue outside of the the frat party scene where like someone will just go up and kiss you, you know, oftentimes. Um, but when, when you're kind of in a relationship with someone, how do you know the right time to start that first kiss? I've messed it up many times, and you'll have the girl say, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not ready to kiss yet," and I'm like, "Okay, well then we'll wait." So you, I mean, when is it right? There's a question. Wow. So when you say that, you're saying a kiss really means a lot. And yeah. you see, we old folks think that you kids just hook up all the time and that, you know, you have sex. And Give us some credit, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is interesting that a kiss is um, as important as it was back in our days. Except, do you remember going to the drive-ins? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I yeah, they don't know. Do you explain to drive in what drive-ins are. To the there's, one, there's one left back in uh, Colorado where I'm from. Okay. It's about to close. Right. And Nobody and watches the movie. Nobody <laughs> watches the movie. It was like the most um, uncomfortable date in the world. Right, Mary? Well, my, my parents had a rule that I could only go to drive-in with boys. I couldn't go with a bunch of other girls. <laughs> That's interesting. So this was their firm rule, and they decided that I would know what I was doing with one boy. But if I was with a bunch of girls, they might be waving out the car windows at 
at who knows who, you know. Oh, yes. And crowds of boys would come flocking to the car for the other girls, not for me. Oh. And so I, I could only go to drive-ins if I had a boyfriend with me. It was a very oh. strange rule in our household. Well, presumably they met, you know, they had the, the guy sit down on the couch for those uncomfortable moments of meeting the parents. Well... See, in my, I grew up in a rural area, and everybody, guy walked in, they knew his mother, his father, his uncle, <laughs> you know, you know, this kind of stuff. So, Mary, question. Um, if a guy just invited you to the drive-in, yes. it, was that a signal? You wouldn't, you wouldn't go out to a drive-in on your first date with somebody back in the day, in my, where I grew up at least. Mm-hmm. It was a, something you did later on. Yes. No, see, you I know? think that's changed a lot nowadays. Yeah. I, I think, I think, like, not the drive-in, but the movie theater, which, which can have that same kind of awkward moment of, hey, we're just here to kiss, you know, at the yeah. movie theater. That can be a first date. Although not necessarily a great first date all the time, it can be a first date, it can, and it can even be that kind of drive-in, let's go make out data too, so. That's yes, you know, you don't see people smooching, as a for want of a better word, in movie theaters the way oh, you used to. Oh, we used to smooch. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you don't, wow. you know, you don't see that so much anymore. You know, the kids really. are so embarrassed. They don't think that we ever did this. But I do. You know t- what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the back it seems video. like you could find other places. I mean, does it have to be a movie? Scary movies, because I could pretend to be really scared. That always got me a kiss. There people like lay, making out on the floor of the back row of the theaters and stuff. <laughs> and you don't see that anymore. You know? No, you don't. Well, I've, I've got to say, we look pretty tame, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, what do you guys think? I, I've had a couple of friends who've had sex in movie theaters. You're kidding. Really? Is that okay? Where? Oh, I don't know. Are they I like don't... pornography movie theaters? No, I, I know <laughs> Triple a couple X. of my friends, uh, or they're, you know, the guy and the girl are both friends of mine, uh, snakes on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, that Because it was movie. such a bad movie that nobody else was there. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, my response to your comment is there's nothing new under the sun. He <laughs> says, smiling. Well, that's uh, okay. <laughs> well, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. So Mary well, had sex in a movie theater. Mary. All right, well, here. I wasn't born this way, you know. <laughs> no wonder she was smiling. So this well. is the lead into the next question of what's the weirdest place where you've kissed someone or uh, geographically, not physically. Uh, yes. In a uh, bunker over, look, overlooking the, the ocean. Oh, that's a nice place. You know, a bunker like lift over for World War II. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you could hear the, the rumble yeah, of the waves. Yeah. and Okay, that's not so weird. But, okay, oh. Randy, where? <laughs> Probably a movie theater. Oh, that, 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 see, he's not as weird as, you know, he, he's got a weird Randy. It's really weird with all here. the people around. Oh, I see. Yeah, well. Uh, it's an uncomfortable place yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Bill, you have a weird place? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I, what, airplane, is that that weird? To, to kiss someone on the airplane? No, I don't no, think yeah. so. See, see, uh, see, I'm married, so I can kiss my husband anywhere now. Yeah. So it's, well, I mean, but it's, what do you mean? When, I, when you ask this question, I'm envisioning like this passionate embrace makeout thing. Oh, You're okay. talking, is that what we're talking about? Uh, yeah, let's go with that. I don't so, do that everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Now listen to this. How do you make a kiss more exciting? By the way, if you can't come up with some ways, I have some suggestions here. You've been doing. Oh, are you dying to tell us those suggestions? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all for motherly I, advice. I okay. can tell you one thing you shouldn't do: don't use ice cubes. Like, don't <laughs> try to surprise a girl. I saw this on Scrubs actually. If you guys watch that show, uh, he, Zach Braff tried, tries to cool his tongue with ice cubes to give the girl the chilly tongue, and I, I can bet the girls would not like that. So, have oh, you and you know what? I have gum. Not. <laughs> I have not. Gum is off limits. That there's nothing grosser than that. Oh, a guy with gum. Thinking that he, you know, like, gum doesn't oh. bother me as much. I mean, uh, if if the girls do, it doesn't bother me that much. Really? Okay. Yeah. Who's heard of a vacuum kiss? 
This suck, is sucking you mean yes. instead of this is where you suck the air out of your partner's mouth while kissing. That sounds fun. <laughs> what? How disgusting. Well, I'd now, start coughing. That would be very unattractive. Well, I, all right. Well, what if he does it in a really great way? I don't know, how could you do that in a great way? Well, I now, think someone needs to show Mary. I <laughs> volunteers. No, Let's go, I go out over to reunion weekend. <laughs> Mary, we're going to take you over okay, to the I'll quad. Go to the drive-in. Now, yeah. here's some a way that I don't. I think this sounds interesting. It's called liposuction, and in which you kiss the upper lip while your partner kisses the lower lip. That and that takes too much effort. You know, yeah. that, that takes coordination, well, this, timing. This you adds know. variety. This keeps life thought. spicy. I've actually tried that, and it, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've never liposuction. That, that's a pretty ridiculous name for it. I mean, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't propose. Like, hey, you know yeah. what? Let's do liposuction. I mean, like, like, I'm sure it just comes up spontaneously, but like proposing liposuction, that's absurd. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. if you have to say it, then there's that the moment is over. Yeah. I think you just have to just go uh-huh. for it yeah. and see what happens. Well, Who's done any? It sounds like Bill. You've tried a lot. Ice, uh, ice. But but you know, if you are in a long-term relationship, kissing can kind. Well, according to the studies that I did this week, the guys get kind of bored with it. I mean, you know, they're not that interested as a relationship progresses. I disagree. You, you the, the, the guys get bored with it. And, and another no, new kiss that you could put in there is kind of, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Spider-Man, but the upside-down kiss. So where, where you like, if someone's lying down on the couch or something, you come up and, and you kiss them upside-down. So your mouths are actually upside-down. That's quite fun. I recommend all, all the listeners to go out and try that, actually. <laughs> it's tonight. like a kiss 69. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A kissing 69. So, um, but a question, for how long are guys satisfied by only kissing? I, that's got to depend on the guy. <laughs> and, and the girl. Oh, come on, guys. That is a good... I mean, and that sort of goes back to the, like, can you stop it kissing, or does it have to always go all the way? That... That episode. Highly personal. Highly personal. Well, listen, I want to ask this in terms of of the generation thing. Is there a difference between what we experienced when we were dating, single, blah, 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 and what you guys are going through now? That if you kiss somebody or you have a kissing relationship for, let's say, a week or a month, I mean, you know, your friends, blah, blah, blah. Are you expected at some point to have sex? And then, moms, what was it like back in the old days? Bill, I'm going to start with the students. Uh, okay. I just, I just want to, okay, on this thing, um, it, not every relationship has these hard, fast guidelines. And there's always some point in a relationship where, where you're either kissing or whatever, where you get to uh, kind of defining the relationship talk moment. And that's where you decide if we're just going to be friends with benefits, kissing, or if we're going to just be, you know, some other kind of physical relationship, or if we're really going to get into something romantic. And, and once you reach, like, each one of those breakoffs, I think you really kind of lock into what you're going to do. I don't know how that's changed over the years. Do you guys have defining the relationship talks back in the day? Well, I remember when I was a 10th a, a grader and my boyfriend was a 12th grader and we kissed and kissed and, oh, my God, it was really hot and heavy. But he dumped me because I wouldn't go further and I just wasn't ready and I was devastated. And, you know, I, I maybe nowadays a 16-year-old girl would just say, okay, I'll go for it. But at that, for me, it was, like, not ready. Probably has to do more with maturity on the guy's part back then, too. Oh, I was so hurt. I was <laughs> devastated. I feel like breaking to a chorus of that song, you must remember this, a kiss <laughs> is still, a, a sigh is still a sigh. And I, I think so. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. I really I really think <laughs> so. So what does that mean? Yeah, what do you say in terms of I, having... I think that when we were kissing people back then and people kissing now is not fundamentally different, is my point, than it used to be. Although we had to be very careful before birth control. Right. Of what yeah. you did. Yeah. There was a, it wasn't just because we were prudish or something. There yeah. was a real danger that our whole lives would go oh, and down. And girls who too. got pregnant, uh, it was, 
you know, and and those who you know didn't stick had abortions. I mean, they had to go to back rooms. And, and there was it was something you didn't mess with if you had any sense at all. It was it was terrible. Okay, I'm going to end our questions about um, kissing with. Have you ever? been walked in on when you were making out with someone like did your parents ever walk in on you when you were making out with someone susan oh yeah i got in big trouble because i sneaked a a boy into my bedroom (laughs) how old were you that was 16 that was a busy year (laughs) (laughs) yeah well as you know not incredibly busy because of the boyfriend who left me because i was you know leaving it so you decided to change the situation no, no, I was still, well, my, I guess I did. Yeah, you're right. I did decide to change the situation. That was the You weren't going to let someone dump you. No. Boy, though, gosh, talk about pressure. I know. It's not right. Well, we, uh, dudes, Laura, oh, does, do young uh, women your age feel a lot of pressure to hook up and well, I mean, sexually I, active before I, you might want to? Um, most definitely. Um, I think that there was uh, kind of a weird culture in my hometown. Uh, I grew up about an hour and a half away from Stanford in the Central Valley, where it was kind of a bedroom community for uh, the Bay Area, where parents weren't home a lot. And there was kind of this accepted culture of, of sex and hooking up and stuff starting, I think, seventh grade. Like, I would say that... Um, at least I had a graduating class in eighth grade of about 100 people, and I would say maybe 10 of them weren't virgins. Um, and then, like, I remember freshman year, like, we were in health class and talking about who was a virgin, and it was very few people. Oh, wow. That's that's amazing. Oh, I sound so disapproving, but it's, it is surprising. Well, listen, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at the cheating gene. Is there really such a thing, or is it just another excuse to fool around? Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. We're taking a look at the cheating gene. A study just released shows that men are more likely to cheat on their partners if they have a particular variant of a gene that influences brain activity. This cheating gene is present in two of every five men and obviously puts these men at greater risk for marital discord and divorce. We sent Andrew Valencia out on campus to talk to students about their theories on cheating and why they think guys and gals cheat. In primates, testicle size was proportional to how much the species cheated. With um, small testicles, primates didn't cheat often, whereas larger ones did. So that maybe could be an indication in humans. I've had friends, I've had girlfriends who cheated on their boyfriends. I had, like... I've had guy friends I've cheated on the girlfriends. I don't think it's really about the, the sex distinction. It's more about like what you grow up with, what your like how like, what your parents' environment was like. Like I know people who have cheated, guys and girls, and the thing that I've noticed about them is that they're usually good-looking people and very attractive. Therefore, they probably have more options in choosing from different people who they could fool around with. I want to thank our. I want to thank our roving reporter, Andrew Valencia. I want to know if those are the first three people he talked to on campus. <laughs> well, uh, our roving How many re- people did you have to talk to before you got I those? want to thank Andrew Valencia first before we <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, All right, Paddle, do these students' comments surprise you? 
what they said about um, the testicle size and the uh, that it depends on how good looking you are if you do more cheating. Well, about the testicle size, he was talking about. I actually was probably in that same class that guy because I've heard that stat before. Um, the, the testicle size is looking at different species, comparing species to species. When you're looking inside an individual species, I mean, I, I don't think that argument itself really applies. Oh, okay. Well, we've wiped that one off the books then. What about that it really depends a lot more on how you were raised? What do you think, uh, Laura? Yeah. Um, so w- what I'm thinking in my mind, so I've, I've never cheated. And um, I my parents divorced uh, early on, but they were in monogamous relationships uh, thereafter. And, um, and then... Uh, I think at age 12, my mom told me that the reason why the divorce happened was because my dad um, had cheated on her um, consistently with a Russian spy, which was kind of an interesting story. Um, but kind of growing up with that knowledge, but also seeing the my mom and my stepdad have this very solid relationship, it was it's kind of... Has, I have seeds of doubt on whether, like, what exactly have I grown up with. But um, I would say that my mom and my stepdad set a good example of a you know, monogamous relationship. Boy, that would, how old were you again when your mom told you? I was 12. Wow. I think she was trying to get back at my dad. By telling you, but mm-hmm. wow, what an impact what, what, to be told that. That must have impacted the way you looked at marriage and, and trust and, and all those kinds of things. And, and my dad too yeah mm-hmm. it was it was a big big news i so guess how close are you to your dad um not super close <laughs> no. did you ever confirm it with him oh so what actually happened is that um he was very open about it and would say to my mother i've never been so in love uh, as i have been with this other woman and then he would give me presents from that woman um uh, it was wow. I, I was five at the time so i didn't know any better but wow <laughs> yeah Wow. Anyone else got a story like that, Bill? Not like that. No, no. Uh, I I want to talk a bit about this idea of there being a a gene for cheating. I I don't believe that that this is a good thing that we should be saying, that there is a gene for cheating. It gives people way way too much ability to go out there and say, oh, you know, it's just just my genetics. That's why I'm cheating on you, baby. A lot of men say that. They don't know about this particular gene. I believe a lot of of men are wrong about that then. And even if it turns out the men cheat more or whatever, I I don't believe that there's a gene for cheating. And there may be a higher higher prevalence of cheating among this, like, tiny certain gene, but I think it's a little bit irresponsible to say. Okay, I want to turn to the moms because I swear that there are certain men that I look at and I say that guy is a cheater uh, and it's because of the way he's looking at me or the way he's looking at someone else in the room and the way he's responding and I just it, now I I don't know but I'm pretty damn sure it makes me think that there is something that some men are more prone to do this Mary? Yeah, um, I don't want to be too crude but you, after you as the years roll by you start it sort of can tell the guys in the room that can't keep their zipper fastened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now you tell, know, you, tell you me. You go into a room and you go, this. You sort of want to move away from them because you know. How do you? Even if you are homely, you know they don't care. They, they're, they're. I don't agree with that third statement. What are these know? men like? Right. Well, <laughs> only the attractive people cheat. I think that's preposterous. You know. Right. Look they, at Elliot Spitzer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, some people think he's oh, sexy he, as hell. Oh. But. Well, all right. all right. Now Putting you know Mr. Spitzer I aside. I mean, they <laughs> and I guess like he was will, paying for it. We'll so. move in on the person they think will will agree to go along with them, yep. and it might be the ugliest woman in the room because they think they can maneuver it right mm-hmm. into that direction and you know and have success. All so right, well, I, I want you to describe that look. So when you walk into a room, you you say. I know that guy's a, a player. Oh, it's sort of like defining pornography. You know it and you see it, uh-huh. but it's hard to describe it. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> okay. Do, do, these, do you guys, do you notice other men that are like this, or is it just something that women can pick up on? 
Um, yeah, you definitely get a feel for it. You can get a feel of the, the guys that are, are kind of movers and shakers and not out there to like it with a lot of girls and all that. And you can see that, that they would be people that might try to disrupt, you know, something you've got going with a girl. But and you could almost say that maybe these guys are sex uh, are sexual addicts. Yeah. So uh, maybe not in college. Uh, I mean, well, I, <laughs> I, you know, Bill Clinton and God, I love him. <laughs> but they they said that he didn't change his behavior at all. He, that he was like, you know, he loved the women in college and st- stuff like that, and and just had you would have spotted him. <laughs> but I think there can, there can be guys that are quite promiscuous in college that are not sexual addicts. I mean, well, you think when then they, what's a sexual addict? So when they get out of college, they're going to stop well, doing a, this? a sexual addict is when you're, you're so concerned about sex and everything that it's having very negative impacts on your life. I, th- I think when you're in college, you can have tons and lo- lots of sex and everything without it having negative impacts on your life. So, yeah. well, well, I want to so go- like drinking. You know, yeah. Later on, you're an alcoholic when you're 19 and drunk right, all the normal. time. It's normal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, I want to go uh, around the table uh. and ask, what, how old were you when you realized that marriages and relationships weren't made in heaven? Laura, you, you, you got hit yeah. pretty, pretty young. <laughs> Does anyone else um, want to talk about that when they saw in their parents' marriage or a neighbor's or a relative's? Somebody who was... I think I must have been really young when I realized Mary, I knew people weren't always happy with each other. Mm-hmm. But the kind of place I grew up, people didn't necessarily get divorced, even if they were terribly unhappy. And it wasn't necessarily related to sex, or at least maybe it was, but we didn't know it as children. But you knew that Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so were always snotty to each other, always rude, didn't get along. You could hear them fighting, that kind of stuff. And and you you knew that that was, from rarely early on, you got that idea. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I, I've, I've seen, um, like, couples breaking up and stuff, like, throughout a good part of my life, you know, just living in a major city in Denver. But um, when it really hit me was, I think, about last year or the year before that, when a really, really close friend of mine, whose parents were, like, as, as solid as, I thought they were just as solid as even my parents or anybody, and, and they got a divorce kind of out of the blue. And that just kind of flipped my whole world upside down for a little bit. And it, it took me a while to realize that, People could be so what seems to me unpredictable at times with like their loyalty for someone. It's a, unlikely people too to to do that, it. That's what did it for me is, is the fact that I thought that these people you know were as loyal as they could be. You know, but that tried expression. You don't know what goes on in somebody else's marriage. That's absolutely true. You don't know what you know what their actual relationship is. They're not going to probably display it in front of you. Right. Even if you're good friends of theirs, unless they're really, you know, tasteless, they, they're probably going to keep it to themselves. Our number is 650-723-9010. Susan, get that number right. You're listening to What Would Your Mother Say? And we are in Studio A at KZSU. And at the table is Laura, Bill, and Randy, along with moms Mary Morrison and Susan Esterly. We're talking about the cheating gene and commitment and I was asking someone earlier about when they became aware of adultery. And, I mean, we're talking, you know, when you knew that people people were cheating. And, I, you know, in the Bible they talk about adultery, right? The Sixth Amendment, an amendment, <laughs> the Sixth Amendment. <laughs> and um, do you remember reading that, that uh, Jacob laid with so-and-so Esther? I mean, there's this verb, or laid, ring a bell. I mean, page yes. after page right. of Jacob laid with so-and-so. And Jacob then. was busy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Didn't quite know what Jacob was doing, but what? But he knew what he was doing. <laughs> yes. Apparently. Right. Yes, right. But um, back to, uh, I mean, I think cheating is a is a serious um, 
issue, and I think it can disrupt your sense of, of security and your sense of the, of the world. Um, I've, I've certainly had that happen with friends, Bill, who have told me that they're getting a divorce, and it's like, oh, my God. Right. And uh, it's, it's very, it, it is disconcerting. And at some point, it seemed like all of our friends were getting divorced. Did you all have that? Did you go through a period where it seemed like a large number of your friends were, were getting divorced? I don't think so. Do you? Do you have you ever had that experience? No, but maybe you know, add fifteen years, and I might. I don't. I don't know. No, we just give up after a while. You know, <laughs> just stick it out. But well, um, no, my friends are extremely staid. Maybe that's because I am. You know, you can tell I am. So. Well, listen I to have this. A lot of divorced friends. Here, here's a factoid: about one in five adults uh, in monogamous relationships, or twenty-two percent, have cheated on their current partners. The rate is even higher among married men, and nearly half of the people admitted to being unfaithful at some point in their life. And there's a lot of talk as to whether, when you're having um, a very hot and heavy correspondence over email or over the internet, is this cheating? I think the individual who's doing it knows when it's cheating. There's a point when you realize I am breaching the trust I have with, with the person I'm in love with or whatever relationship you have, and, and you know that. It may not be apparent to others looking in on the situation that, oh, w- when he starts texting to her in this certain, like, these certain words, that, that that is the breach of trust, but it's apparent to the individual who's saying it. Okay. Does yeah. everyone agree with that? Well, and also, it's just your assumption that you only are cheating on your spouse or your partner if you're having sex with somebody else. I think you can be cheating on them in other ways. You don't have to be actually having sex with somebody else. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. I, I think that's the main point. That, that cheating is, is not even about this physical aspect. It's all about emotional and this breach of trust and, and going against this like long relationship that you've built up over a long time. Okay, good. Well, I mean, just to kind of throw something in the loop, like how many relationships, I mean, so you can have monogamous relationships, but I think some people have like open relationships where they're you know emotionally committed to each other, but maybe not physically. And this goes back to the defining the relationship talk because it's not cheating if you define the relationship as you can have like physical actions with others. So we're going to have a whole uh, segment sometime on defining the relationship. I don't <laughs> recall ever doing that back in they the old days. They call it a DTR days. talk. Oh, <laughs> you're so DTR acronyms. Oh. I try. <laughs> well, we are going to take a, a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have our 60 second story about a dad this week. You're listening to What Would Your Mother Say? We'll be right back. Welcome to What Would Your Mother Say? Coming to you live from the studios of KZSU at Stanford University. I'm your host, Susan Morris. Today's panel includes Mary Morrison and Susan Esterly and Stanford students Bill, Laura, and Randy. Today, our 60-second story is about a dad written by Brendan Shaw. The name of his story, Surprise. I was a basket case when I first went off to college, lonely and often in tears. Talking to my father always made me feel better. But over time, I got busy being, well, in college. One day, when I was studying in the library, I received a text message, a picture text, of my father in a neck brace, like someone who's been in a serious accident. The caption read, Surprise! I freaked out and texted back the frantic message, What happened? It turned out my father indeed had been in a car accident, even lost consciousness. But now he was fine. Jeez, instead of calling to give me the news and reassure me, my father had become so tech-savvy he sent a text message? It sure made me miss the old days when my father understood that it was his voice that made me feel okay. 
Brendan's dad recovered nicely and has given up on text messaging. We are going to go to our hot seat segment, and I have two questions for you today. Uh, the first one is, and I want you to have fun with this. I'm not going to ask you your personal ethics. Just you could talk about the world in general and how they would respond. Okay, you recommend your hairdresser or auto mechanic to a friend. This friend follows up on your recommend recommendation, likes the service, but comments on how expensive it was. The next time you're at the shop, the stylist or auto mechanic thanks you, takes off 25% from your bill and says, that's your referral fee. How do you handle this? Do you give the 25% to your friend or do you just take it and keep your mouth shut? And I mean, why would you give it to your friend? Yeah, I don't think you have any moral obligation to give it to your friend in that case. Okay. Yeah. I mean, your friend didn't have to pay for the service in the first place. Right. And they could have asked how much it was. And it's after they, have, you know, for that kind of service, they can ask up front. They have no reason to complain for having had paid it. Yep. You know, what I would do is I'd say to my friend, find someone to refer this person to and you'll get a 25% off next time. Mm, I don't know if that's so wise. Says my huh. friends are richer than I am. I can, I'm the one that needs the money. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, all right. Here, this is a variance off of that. Uh, your favorite stylist, auto mechanic, says he's looking for new customers and will give you a referral fee. Would you recommend this person? Let's say you, he is your favorite one. I mean, uh, if he's my if favorite, he, sure. Why not? Okay. All my right. dentist does that. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Second question. And this is a little bit trickier. You like a friend's significant other. What do you do about that? Now, uh, don't be goody two-shoe and say you, of course, would think of, of, of moving in on your friend. Okay. Uh, swallow it. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, if it's your friend, uh, you don't... Well, is that politically correct answer? Mary, what do you think most people would do? What most people would do? Yeah. I think they'd do what she said. I don't... Uh, you don't want to go around grabbing... Well, you're, I think friends are more important than... Significant others. others. So I don't want to lose a friendship over a man. What if you really liked this person? I mean, there was a real connection with this person. Randy, what do you think? I think I'd probably swallow it anyway. Like, it's it's not worth it to lose, because there's a chance that you lose both of them if you exactly. try to move in. Exactly. But you can also wait for them to break up. Wait that, you know, whatever amount of time is, you know, appropriate, and then say to your friend, hey, do you mind if... You know, you know, patience is a virtue. But okay, so here's something though: is that um, how much do you like the friend? Do you like the guy more than you like the friend? Well, maybe. I mean, if it's just an acquaintance, I don't know. But that's also kind of a litmus test for that guy. If that guy is willing to just jump ship like that, then you know he'll do it to you too. Mm. All right. Now here's a question: Do you think that a guy would respond differently to that situation than a girl? Do you think a, a woman would be more eager to maintain the friendship or to please the friendship? I think it depends on his genes, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> he has one of those genes. Calvin Klein. <laughs> Calvin Klein genes. Oh. Two out of every five guys has that gene. So he yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother told me, you know, when I was about 14, that men just can't control themselves. Do you have that talk with your mother? No. no when I was starting, well, okay, okay. You know, we are starting to date. Men, you know, men may not be able to control themselves, but I don't, I'm not so sure women can control themselves either. I'm not no, sure that any of us can no, control when I had, <laughs> according to my mother, 
the, the women's function was to keep things under control because men were liable to do in, virtually anything at any time. Is the impression she left? <laughs> I, I don't think that's true. Just explode. Now. Yeah, that's right. That was <laughs> so the I talk. Have a funny I story. Um, so a friend of mine, uh, and I, I've actually had quite a couple of my guy friends do this, where they'll see some girl who's you know like they'll have a boyfriend or whatever, and then they'll just kind of you know be really nice to her and i actually had a friend who would um take this girl out on practice dates so he would say he's pretending to um you know just <laughs> see if this is a good date while really going out with someone else's girlfriend so what happened um, how dumb was this girl i mean that uh, she it, didn't catch on that this is what was happening she, they were just good friends uh-huh. and she was helping him out <laughs> so uh-huh. what did happen she's still with the other boyfriend or her original boyfriend Bill? Okay, so what happens if the girl that you're interested in breaks up with your friend? How long do you have to wait afterwards right. before you ask her out? That's what. That's what do you what, think? A good question. Oh, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> that's a hard one. I, I think you have to. Maybe even have to talk to your friend about that and say, "Hey, would it be cool?" And, although I'd probably still wait a month or so, or, and then talk to them directly and say, "Hey." And it feelings. depends who broke up with who. If she devastated him, then you have to wait way longer. But if he, de- <laughs> but if he devastated her, now, now listen, you're not going to smaller believe, amount of time. As people, <laughs> get, as people get older, okay, and one of the partners dies, the spouse is being picked up at the funeral by a prospective mate. Trust me, they there's really not, well because they don't have much time. You know, I mean. <laughs> Got to act fast. (laughs) That's exactly right. Well, I was going to ask you to change the word breakup to divorce. Okay. As you get older, you know, how long after the divorce before you... Oh, I think no time at all for a divorce. Oh, you just be right there the next... When the decree's done, you're right at the doorstep. Is is this assuming that the people were friends? Well, I yeah, Mary. I mean, I mean that throws a all right. If you you know your lady friend got a divorce from her husband and you always liked him a little bit, presuming you were single. I would, I would say, you know, how wow. long would it take? I say it's their business. So. I mean, that so no, I mean, no, you, you wanted to go after him because you. <laughs> oh, oh, I yes, wanted to go after him because oh. your your friend just hmm. divorced him. I don't you know? know. So I don't know what the duration of time is in this little family anecdote, but yes. apparently on my stepdad's side of the family, thank goodness the stepdad. Um, so there was a woman in his family who married this guy. Then the the brother ended up shooting the other brother in a uh, hunting accident and then the second brother ended up marrying her um and then after a while she dumped him and then she married the third brother <gasps> wow, wow. Yeah. where was this washington <laughs> oh, okay. I think wow. i've read i've read, uh, I've read about this in true crime novels where the first <laughs> anyway hunting well, this- accident <laughs> oh, wow all right i'm gonna now i'm gonna ask you we're gonna go to some emails that we've gotten over the uh, over the past week and Here's one from a mother. Something happened to my son this past summer. He stopped socializing with his friends and started spending a lot of time alone. I'm worried about him, especially because he's starting college away from home for the first time. How many times can I call him to see how he's doing? I even want to alert the people on campus that he could be depressed, but I don't know if this is a good thing. What do you say to a mother who's concerned like this? And and how, how involved... Should she, can she get, I mean, mothers and fathers aren't even given grades anymore of their kids. So is the school going to say, well, that's your son's problem. We can't get involved with this. Is this, is this before the son goes to college or why is it well, college? Well, this is the summer uh, just before he's gone off. And in fact, this is uh, 
uh, he's just left. Uh, she should really look into maybe talking to like a psychiatrist or something, but really look at um, talking to her son about depression and see if he is depressed, because that could be a really big deal, and you don't want him on his own. Because I mean, heck, um, I, I'm not—I wasn't depressed at all for first year at college, and it was hard enough on my own, you know. So, yeah. Who, Randy and Laura, did you all get depressed in your first year? No, but an interesting point to make though is that my parents, when we were all dropped off at Stanford, I think they went to the you know dinner with Hennessy, I think, and Hennessy said, "Don't be helicopter parents. Don't be hovering." And as a result, they stopped calling me. I'm just kind of sad. Well, yeah. did, and you, you missed it. up and say, let's chat once a week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On the flip side of that, my parents uh, were actually over living over an island for my freshman year, so I only got calls from them actually pretty rarely. And, and when I did, um, I, I looked forward to it quite a bit. So uh, what, what you're saying. That's, that's so nice to hear a student actually, a young person, wanting to hear from a parent. <laughs> that's changed recently, though. <laughs> <laughs> now you don't feel that way? They, they call quite a bit. <laughs> but I love it. Okay, here's another email. My, my girlfriend is very moody. I'll be thinking we're getting along just fine, and then she'll start picking on me or complaining. Is this normal, or is she signaling that the thing between us is off? I guess, yes, I guess it depends if it's about one week a month. Oh, I object. Uh, uh, on a different note, I, I think that, that can be pretty normal, actually. Um, a, a lot of girls I've dated, and I don't want to speak on behalf of uh, all girls everywhere. Definitely not. But I, I've noticed that um, you know they, they, they can just be moody and disagreeable. Yeah, but hey, guys can be that way too. Yeah, I heard a person giving a speech about this subject, and uh, it was, she was a doctor, and she said, "Well, you can't expect men to understand women because you know men don't have hormones that are never moody." <laughs> And it, and it brought down the house. There was about 200 women in the audience, and they laughed for at least 10 minutes uh, on that one. Oh. I, I think this goes back to how stressed the person out is, too, uh, uh, how stressed out the person is. If they're more stressed out, they're probably more likely to be moody, and, and if you can help them like deal with some of these issues. But you guys them. wouldn't have any trouble marrying a moody woman? Well, he better. They better not, because I don't know anybody they're going to marry who's never going to be moody. I think, well, it's a matter I think you want to talk degree. about it. I think you want to talk about it with them first. Yeah, time. I, I, I want to just put in that I'm kind of a, a passive-aggressive person, and when I've dated, I end up being more touchy, more something or other. When like there's something that the guy is doing that's kind of you know pissing me off, and I think that if I just was prompted to talk about it, then it'd solve all those issues. But that's kind of my kind of irrational way of dealing with it. I agree with that 100%. Uh, like, I, any of the girls that are listening out there, I, I'd like you, um, if you do have a problem that, that um, you, the guy might see you as being getting moody for some problem that's really bugging you, tell us what bothers you. Like, guys really want to know what we're doing wrong. No, At least I do. You don't want that. If you don't know what's wrong, I'm not going to tell you. That, yeah, I mean, that famous that's line. I mean, guys are oblivious to so much of what we do wrong. I mean, it happens <laughs> to me all the time. I'll do so much stuff and not realize, like, that I'm uh, offending <laughs> her. Yeah, it, it took me a long time to break from the mentality that, like, well, he should just know. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Guys, you give and, him way too much and, credit. And there. guys <laughs> did not know. No, well, yeah. here's, here's an email from a grad student. Say, I'm a second-year grad student. I'm having a rotten time meeting girls. Apparently, we have a bad rep on campus. What can I do to change this around? The grad students in, in, in mass have a bad rep. Is that what he's saying? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, really? Tell oh, yeah. me about this. They, they have the, the term sketchy grad student applied Which means to them. What? So, 
uh, go for it, Bill. Well, I, I just want to say, not, first of all, not all grad students are sketchy. I've got some good friends that are grad oh, students. Oh, no, I'm just yeah. saying it's the label. But, but uh, I, I have witnessed this sketchy grad student phenomenon quite a bit. You'll be at, like, a, a frat party sometimes, and then all of a sudden, like, I don't want to pick on the law school here, but it always seems to be the law guys. I've noticed that there'll be, like, five or so law grad students that'll come in, like, try to hit on some women, try to pick up some of the freshmen, and you're like, really? I mean... That's not that cool, guys. So, so sketchy means what? I'm not with that you. Is, that isn't sketchy. That's being an alpha male, right? Who's no, it's being sketchy. Right. Who's it's taking advantage sketchy. of someone else's immaturity in order to get oh. laid? Also, oh. it, it'd be an alpha male oh. if they were successful, but these grad students aren't that successful. They're just more kind of creep out everyone there often. But yeah, that goes way back. I mean, when, he, when I was here, we used to think the grad students were kind of weird and creepy. But, uh, what, what, I mean, can't they go to the bar scene and uh, other stuff as well to pick up girls, or does that not work? I don't know. Randy? Well, I think the main problem is that Stanford is such a dorm-oriented uh, university. So all the people you know are either from your dorm or from, you know, your your, your classes. So is it inappropriate for graduate students to live in a dorm? Seems. I know that... Well, they, they have grad dorms. Yeah, uh-huh. they have special dorms. They're building uh-huh. more. <laughs> but they don't really have community in a lot of ways. Yeah, like the undergrad, uh, it's like a bunch of little, uh, or not little, a bunch of large families, you know, um, not, not in a relationship sense, but yeah. in, in, everyone knows each other, you know, we're, we're all in great terms, you know, and when someone comes in, even if they're from another school or something, you can instantly tell if, if they're like kind of not a Stanford student and or, or not a grad student, and you can kind of be like, hey, maybe they're an outsider, and... So there's that dynamic. They're kind of working against this. Well, what would you recommend for this person to do? I mean, this this sounds like, you know, well. Don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't he date another grad student? I'm not following. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe he's in a department where there aren't that many uh, other w- female graduate students. Well, yes. as, as a friend of a lot of uh, recent grad students, I have a lot of friends who have just transitioned to the, the co-term, which is staying on an extra year to get your master's, and they've ap- self-applied the term sketchy grad student. Like, I don't want to be a sketchy grad student, or, oh, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I'm a sketchy grad student. And I think because of that mentality that they've, they're self-labeling, they're taking themselves out of situations where they might meet girls. And I think that, it, you know, be... Be self-confident of, of who you are. Can women be sketchy? Everyone can be sketchy. So wait, so all like 23-year-old grad student women would go around trying to pick up 18-year-old guys at parties? I think it happens. Less. I mean, I think, do, don't women have kind of a trend of dating older? In yeah, a that's what yeah. I was trying to find out, if this was strictly a male phenomena. You know, where they... But, you know, one thing I can add to this is I was a grad student, and I don't know if I was considered sketchy or not, but I had to work. <laughs> I had so little time to socialize and have fun compared to undergrad. I mean, undergrad was a breeze. Grad student, grad school is like multiply it by 10. It's so much work. And that's my contribution. It's just so much work. Okay. Well, I. I they have to work it all in in a short period of time. <laughs> It, it, you can't okay. hang out. Now, I'm going to out. throw out a term, changing the subject. I want to throw out a term and see who is familiar with this at the table, a cuddle party. Who's been to a cuddle party? It's like sleepovers. A but, cuddle party? Yeah, where you do a lot of uh, cuddling. You have to no. keep your clothes on. That doesn't sound like much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we know without that one, so go on to the next one. <laughs> I've heard of, a, of an orgy before, Susan. <laughs> a different. Yeah. Um, I do have a friend um, who is uh, termed a cuddle slut, actually, and he would just you know, hop into people's beds clothed and just spoon. <laughs> and he was called a slut. Ooh. Yeah, he uh, was he was kind of upset about that. Yeah, he I just, he just really well, liked maybe, maybe you should have jumped into people's beds uninvited. You know, that is a little strange behavior. What's wrong with that? Everyone needs a little, you know, 
No, you, like, <laughs> you said you like to be. Now you you've got to check out Randy. You've got to check out a cuddle party because you said you really prefer being. Where's he going to find one? None of us even know him. Well, I don't know. You can have one. <laughs> I'm sure there's a way to find one. Yeah, I'm sure. Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or Facebook. I, I've never been on Facebook. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Well, I'm the last person in North America. Well, I was never. Well, you're you're probably right. Do you all? Um, <laughs> would you go to Facebook for something like that? Would you type in cuddle parties? You well, I mean, that would imply that we want to go to one in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you think this sounds so high schooly? I mean, I, last year, two years ago. Sounds like, weird it, is what it Years ago, right? there was a graduate student on the panel, and he would set up these makeout closets at parties, frat parties. And the girls loved it. I mean, one of the girls on the panel said, yeah, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. You know what the room is for. I mean, it's all it's all right out there. Isn't the whole frat party kind of like a makeout closet, though? <laughs> you don't need a room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's tons of rooms. <laughs> um, going back to Facebook, though, are, are you talking about, um, do we want to talk about um, actually pursuing relationships on, through Facebook? Well, I was not? just, one way that you might use for it. Companionship. I mean, <laughs> okay. Well, if you were interested in sort of an odd thing like a cuddle party and you wanted to know if anyone on campus was doing that, or any, how would you find out something like that? I don't know. <laughs> Mary, I don't know that. <laughs> you have an assignment. I want you to. This find is out. not something that I'm I, looking I forward to. I think it's such a of a, a, a term from years ago. It's like you cuddle with your dog, or you know, I I don't know. I think it's kind of sweet though. Myself, would you go to a cuddle party? No, not now. I don't do why, those why kind not? Of things. But would well because I'm married. I'd go with my husband. I'd go to a cuddle party with him. But if would I have gone to a cuddle party? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, why not? Cuddling is fun. It's like kissing, right? And, and these happen in college. It seems more kind of like a high school phenomenon. Right, right. I, yeah. It does go okay. on in high school, but it also goes on in college. But I don't think that you guys are, are up to it. Well, I'm sorry. I'll do my homework, and t- Mary, I'll let you know more about cuddling. I'm parties. not asking for you to find out. <laughs> okay, well, we have come to the end of our hour, and I want to thank you all for coming on tonight, Laura. Phil, Randy, thank Susan, you so much. and Mary. And before we say goodbye, I want you to give me a momism. Laura? Um, brush your teeth. Never give up. Keep your elbows off the table. Chew with your mouth closed. Take your vitamins. Great. Well, now, listeners out there, I want you to let us know what you thought of tonight's program by going to our website, whatwouldyourmothersay.com. If you're a student and would like to be on the show, send us an email at mothers at kzsu.stanford.edu. For the record, the opinions you hear on What Would Your Mother Say do not represent those of KZSU or Stanford University. Today's show was put together with help from Andrew Valencia and Olivia Pueta. Our production assistant is Brian Edgar. Jack Wong is our engineer. Our theme music was composed and played by Ben Whaley. What Would Your Mother Say is underwritten by Wendy Schmidt. That's it for tonight. Thanks for joining us on What Would Your Mother Say. See you next week, same time, same station. And remember, call your mom.